2: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK. Kylie. This is Before the Box score six and one edition. Welcome to South Carolina week. Welcome to the real SEC rival for Missouri week. Welcome to recruiting news week, question mark. BK, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Never been any better. Missouri is six and one on the season. They are already bull bound and they've got South Carolina this week, who I don't respect, flat out do not respect. Do not respect that football team. Do not respect that fan base. Don't get into my messages. Don't get into my ats. I don't need any of that from any of you guys coming at me from Gamecock Nation. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh your coach is a fraud, your team's a fraud, you're no good, you're bad at football, and Missouri's gonna will pop on you this week. I'm looking forward to it, Nate.
1: Wow. Shane Beamer also broke his foot by kicking something after Yeah, because he's a, he's an Florida. angry,
0: angry little man.
1: What do you think he kicked?
0: Uh it's a great question. That feels like that's a locker. Like he's angry after the game, kicks a locker because he's trying yep. to prove a point. This will never happen again. Not here. Not
1: this team.
0: You know the whole thing. Oh God.
1: This is South Carolina football.
0: <laughs> yeah, all the history of uh, good old South Carolina football. Priest uh, Steve Spurrier.
1: Thirty-one years. South Carolina has been in the SEC. They've won the East no time just throwing it out there and they're certainly not going to do it this year so they will have gone 32 years in the sec east and only one at one time what prior to
0: steve spurrier they finished in the top 15 in the country all of four times Mm -hmm. in their history as a program they've been playing football there since 1903 my
1: friend steve spurrier was just he was the guy he got them SP plus 14 points better than the average team, like multiple times. Will Muschamp did it once, Shane Beamer did it last year, and everything else is just in the toilet. So, I, don't I mean, know. 2013
0: to or 2011 to 2013, they were consistently a 10 plus win team, they were awesome, yeah. And then you know, he left yeah. and they weren't good.
1: Crazy what happens when you have a Hall of Fame coach, <laughs> <You> no? <know? laughs> Ask Missouri, right? So, anyway, welcome to South Carolina Week. You suck, Columbia East columbia least that's right i'm the first to make that joke yeah we're gonna open up this week we're going to talk about cruton in the middle of the season why would we do that bk why would we talk about cruton in the middle of the season well i'll tell you why you remember a guy named ryan wingo he of the w last names that eli drinkwitz is fond of tweeting that and putting up on the social media, and one of the biggest targets for Missouri's 2024 recruiting class. Yeah, that guy, that guy. You'll remember, Missouri got Williams Winery to commit earlier this year. And all eyes look to Ryan Wingo of the Flying Wingo Brothers, football savants. Now, he has had his commitment date set at December 20th for a very long time. But the reason why we're talking about it now in the middle of the most hated rivalry week is because Ryan Wingo said he's moving his commitment date up. After multiple visits to Mizzou's campus, after constant communication with his staff, he's moving his commitment date up. BK, what does this mean?
0: Well, first of all, it means good things, Nate. It means very good things because basically everybody and their brother that is able to, you know, put in predictions on these kinds of things has put in a prediction that Missouri's going to land Ryan Wingo. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly come within the last week or so. Although some places, and credit to Gabe Diarmond to Power Mizzou, he, he put his in, I think, like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So some people have been on this for a while, suggesting, hey, Ryan Wingo's going to end up at Missouri and it's just a matter of time. Like, I don't know if that's going to be October, November, December, but eventually he's going to be donning a Missouri uniform. Well, it appears that time is coming sooner rather than later, potentially as soon as November 1st or even before then. Um, Just to be clear, I'm not saying November 1st is the day that he's picking Mizzou. I'm just saying like by November, it's very possible, maybe even likely that Ryan Wingo will be a Missouri Tiger. Man, that is huge. Like this is we we talked about how significant it was to pull a to pull a Williams Wannary in this recruiting class. To get two five stars in the same recruiting class, they have never done that in never. the state of Missouri. I don't never. I don't think they've ever had two five stars in general, but they have not pulled two in-state five stars in their history as a program, at least since Rivals has been doing this which dates back 20 plus years. So, you can't overstate how significant this kind of a haul would be, man. This is recruiting at a level unforeseen uh, at the University of Missouri. So to pull him is absolutely massive.
1: I'm going back. There's been plenty of years with multiple four stars. I have not seen a year with multiple five stars. And I'm going all the way back to 2012 right now. So, yeah, this is... Significant. And not only is it significant because of who Ryan Wingo is, obviously he's a tremendous player. He is high demand. up oh, I got it. 2012. Doriel Green Beckham and Andre Pipkins are both five stars according to rivals. But that's that's the only one. And Pipkins was always gonna to go to Michigan because he was a Michigan kid. Oh well, um, I'm
0: talking about guys that signed with Mizzou.
1: No, well, yeah, but also just are have there ever been two five sure. stars in the state yeah. of Missouri, like one time. Um, Ryan Wingo's great, but also Ryan Wingo is very well connected. He is a uh, he's a networker and he is really good friends with Jeremiah McClellan, another wide receiver from St. Louis, who is currently committed to Ohio State, who will be going to Columbus for an on-campus visit this weekend. And those two have been talking for quite some time, and it has been reported by multiple outlets that those two would like to play college football together. So BK, if you get Ryan kind of feels like you get Jeremiah too.
0: I mean, maybe it it, it seems like things are at least at a minimum trending in that direction, you know, and and we'll see what comes from it uh, at that point. Like, this has the potential to be a really special class coming off of a really special season. And that is why this kind of momentum on the field starts to matter, because you've got this or NIL stuff. And listen, guys, you should not feel like it is a devalued commitment because of NIL. If somebody from another school, like if another fan base is saying, hey, you only got those guys because of the money that you paid them.
1: that's part of it (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's always been part of it that is true like it is
0: objectively true that williams winery probably looked at mizzou because they were able to offer them money or offer his family money quicker than other teams were guess what mizzou capitalized on it he didn't have to sign with missouri he decided you know what they can offer me money quicker and i would like to play there and when you combine those two things it sure seemed to have worked out pretty well for winery the same thing is now appearing to be true for Ryan Wingo. It may end up being true for Jeremiah McClellan. Hopefully, it ends up being true for like a on Gray who was committed to Mizzou for a while. It's not me reporting anything, but hey, maybe he considers, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Maybe, maybe I reconsider my commitment, you know, um, Aeneas Williams. Running back that's currently committed to Notre Dame, does he mm-hmm. consider giving another look at Mizzou? There's been some chatter about Jaden Riddell, Ray Peck tied in. Does he reconsider Mizzou after committing to Georgia because of all this momentum that's in their direction? That's stuff that happens when you get multiple five stars in the state of Missouri that decide, you know what, I'm going to stay home. And especially when you have those guys that do it after Luther Burden did it, And Luther Burden is becoming the star that he is right now at Mizzou. When you've got all of that kind of combining at one time, who buddy, it's a good mix if you're a Missouri fan.
1: It is. Um, both on the high school front and on the transfer portal front. Because that's the other thing. These, you know, the St. Louis football community, the the fraternity of players is large, but not, you know, it's 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 a it's a community. They stay in touch with each other wherever they go, whether it's Oregon or Ohio State or Notre Dame or whatever. They talk still, and there has been kind of rumors flying around that there are some old St. Louis kids who went to other schools who might be interested in coming back. And again, kind of like what Luther Burns is doing, potentially what Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah McClellan are doing. Like, hey, yeah, why? Let me go back to the hometown school. Let's let's be locally famous. Let's be rock stars, you know, in St. Louis, in Missouri. Let's make our team awesome. You know, BK. You know, I know we've we've played this game off air, but you know, we could play the game on air too. Just think back of the last three recruiting classes, right? And think of all the guys who are currently on teams that may have started or currently aren't starting, who you you might be interested in coming back. I mean, we we talked about. Uh, I liked Gabriel uh, Rubio, who was out of uh, St. Peters, Missouri, who's a defensive tackle. Really hasn't seen the field with Notre Dame. I liked Bo Stevens, who was an uh, offensive tackle coming out of high school. Currently a guard at Iowa. Um, maybe you go back and you think of, you know, a Tyson Ford at Notre Dame, or yeah. you know, maybe a Dominique Orange at Iowa State. I, like.
0: Jeremiah Love, that's the first name that immediately came to mind. Yes, the
1: running back at Notre Dame. Yes, that's a big one.
0: If he were willing, and I've this is not based on any reporting, and this is pure speculation, I want to say that up front. Um, He may be completely happy at Notre Dame, but he's not playing a ton. Um, I think he should be playing more. He played really well early on when he got his opportunities. If he were to come home and play at Mizzou, and he is the player that we think he is, dude, he's immediately your starter next year, and – is probably doing what you see right now from Cody Schrader mm-hmm. like that. That's what's in play from him next year. If he were to come back to Mizzou, um, yeah. but it requires him to be interested in transferring and leaving, obviously a great situation at Notre Dame. Like it's, it's hard to speak ill of that, but yeah. um, if you wanted to, Hey man, it'd be, we would certainly accept it.
2: Well, yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. And, and I don't want to get too far ahead of my skis here. Like obviously Mizzou's NIL, a collective is very aggressive and very competitive. It's not infinite, right? You can't take everybody back um, or at least not to the certain you know, same degree as, you know, like a five star would be able to demand or, you know, I basically a guaranteed starter. You can't do that. But this is what happens when you have magical seasons on the field as well as magical seasons off the field, which Eli Drinkwitz has delivered on the recruiting side time and time again. It's always been the on-field stuff, and now you're seeing the fruits of that finally come through. You are winning games. You are at the top of your division or close to it. You are already bowl eligible. The only loss is to a close one to a great LSU team. You are. Eli Drinkers has always been a good pitchman, a good salesman, and his staff has been too. And now it's hey, look at the wins. Hey, look at the look at those bag of chips that Luther's on. Hey, look at the emos that Brady and Luther are flinging around like.
0: They were selling the idea of hope. Now they're selling the products.
1: Exactly. When you translate the, hey, we're we're building something here to, hey, we we built it and we want you to keep building it with us. That is tangible.
0: I've got a question for you, Nate. Yeah. Are we going to look back at Luther Burden as, let me ask this a different way because we don't know what the history is yet. And we can say this because of what happened after him. Brad Smith was the one that made Mizzou football possible in the Gary Pinkle era. He was the one that made it cool to go to Mizzou. Mm -hmm. Is Luther Burden going to be remembered as Brad Smith is in your mind? Like, does, is that the potential corollary?
1: As in the guy who made it, everything else happened after
0: him. Yeah. Because without, without Brad Smith, Chase Daniel doesn't happen. Without Brad Smith, the SEC doesn't happen. Like Brad Smith is the genesis of everything that happened for Mizzou football. That was good beyond 2000 like in the Gary Pinkle tenure he was the one that made everything else possible Henry Josie came here because Brad Smith existed like all of that I feel comfortable saying and then there's an era from like 2015 to 2022 ish really where it wasn't the same excitement surrounding Mizzou football now there was the Drew Locke era where like you had the fun offenses and stuff, but the results never matched to the point where it it became really cool for other kids to come here. I think Burden has the potential to be for Mizzou football in the 2020s what we saw from Brad Smith in the 2000s.
1: Yeah, I mean they got to keep going, but he 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 definitely has the potential to be that that catalyst, right? The this is what Mizzou recruiting looked like before Luther Burden. This is what it looks like after Luther Burden and all the players that come to Mizzou because of that, or, you know, how, whatever in the next round of realignment or whatever next title or hardware that Missouri football earns, I think you can, there's a potential there to point to Luther Burden as, as the catalyst for that. So I I would agree. Uh, and I hope it's true because I hope Missouri wins a ton and brings in a lot of new recruits and, we can say yep there it was the chip man right that's that was that was the that was that was a change it's just a
0: situation where it's it's hard to recognize history when you're in the middle of it it is and i like if let's put it a different way if missouri football ends up going in the right trajectory and this just becomes Mm -hmm. like a really fun exciting era of college football in columbia I think that will be the way that Luther Burden is remembered. Like mm-hmm. if I just project forward in that way, that will be the way that we look back on it, is that he was this era's version of um of Brad Smith and Hellman. <laughs> it's a pretty good uh legacy to be able to leave somewhere because Brad That's Smith true. is remembered as fondly as any Missouri athlete of the last twenty years for yep. getting setting aside the sport.
1: And continues to do so. That's the craziest thing. Like I, I, feel like there's a lot of guys who come in and fade out, and you oh yeah, I guess. But no, it's it. Brad Smith is. I feel like if you saw him, you will just continue to hold him in that regard. So yeah. it's he's a legend.
0: He, he like there's a difference between legends and all time great players, and Brad Smith is the legendary status of player at the zoo.
1: Absolutely. So. A lot of potential good recruiting news uh, a lot of things could happen soon we don't know when we don't have a timeline we're not breaking any scoops here but like yeah that's going to be good and Rockham nation will have you covered as far as everything that happens and what it means going forward speaking of going forward let's look in the past is that a transition what the hell was that okay i want to touch back on the kentucky game i did the beyond the box score broke it down my all my numbers, Man. I did not realize how close Mizzou and Kentucky played that game because not only from a yards per play standpoint, not only from a third down conversion standpoint, not only the Kentucky ran it really well, Mizzou ran it really well, and both teams did the opposite really poorly. Like there was a lot of symmetry, there's a lot of similarity between these two teams, and yet one of them won by 17. And you go, huh, okay, weird. Uh, How did that happen? And certainly the three turnovers help. But, man, you want to talk. Wait, let me rephrase. I talk about doing the little things right. Mm. I put up the individual report card like these are the little things that matter that can flip a game, especially when it's against a peer or a team that's expected to beat you. If you have a massive advantage there, that goes a long way. That does include turnovers. It also includes field position. Yep. Boy, Mizzou had a 13-yard advantage in average starting field position. That matters over 13 possessions. I promise you. Um, and, and again, like I said, the turnovers do matter. But my God, they were able to do so much with just little stuff. The penalties, I don't know if you realize this. and I think maybe maybe the stat broadcast talked about it. But Kentucky had more yards and penalties than they had yards through the air. Yeah, and that's before you take out sack yardage. Because with sack yards, they had 87 yards passing net. Like, Kentucky always wins with kind of smashy smash, ugly offense. A defense that just snuffs out whatever you want to do and play smart football and take advantage of the little things. And like you said in your post game, and like you said in the in the pod after the after the game, Mizzou out Kentucky, Kentucky by being smart, smashy smash, and don't make mistakes. Yep.
0: Just Incredible. wait for the other team to beat themselves, and they will eventually they will find a way to beat themselves and as long as you take advantage when they do you'll win the football game that's like the entire this mark stoops era of kentucky football is that and it's honestly why they have the record they do against winning teams in the sec as well because winning teams don't do that winning teams will not self-implode they will just hey okay you're gonna play a too high shell cool we'll just Take whatever you're giving us. We'll we'll go five yards at a time. We'll just matriculate down the field. That's fine. No problem. And winning teams do that. And then they continue to move the ball down the field. They finish the game with, you know, 30 points, 34 points. They win the game and they leave Lexington. They're like, okay, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. <laughs> See you next year. And that's kind of the way that it goes. So, When you don't do that against Kentucky, and I think you were the one that said this like two years ago, and I will never unforget what you said. They take the mirror to you. They put it in front of your face and say, this is who you are. And it could be good. It could be bad. It could be somewhere in between. But they let you know this is who you are. Because when you play against Kentucky, if you are good, you will win. If you are bad, you will lose. If you are somewhere in between, you will probably lose because Kentucky is just above average in the SEC almost every single season. Mm. So for Missouri, what you learned in that game, Missouri's good. I don't know what level of good. We'll find that out over the next you know five weeks of this football season, but they are objectively a good football team, and that is the type of game that you only win if you are a good football team.
1: Yeah. you took care of business, man. That wasn't pretty. I I, th- I know he texted you this in the third quarter. Missouri had a 0% success rate running the ball. 0%. <laughs> None of their runs in the third quarter did what they needed to do. And yet they kept doing it and just trudging down the field and strategically throwing the ball and getting just enough to keep going. And it is just it at Stoops ball, baby. I, I I can't believe it. And the other thing that absolutely blew me away was the amount of yardage that Kentucky got in the first quarter and specifically on first down. Like we're talking 20% of their plays produced like 60% of their total yards. Right? Like first quarter, everything was going right. And then second, third, fourth quarter, it all went wrong. And I don't know. I don't think Blake Baker did any like adjustments. I don't think he had some massive change to what they were doing. They just kind of played back a little bit. The, the they got pressure up front with their defensive line to the tune of Darius Robinson getting two sacks. The secondary played off to the tune of Chris Abrams Drain getting two interceptions. You know, like, you know, it just these things just they they adapted enough, not throw the whole thing out, but just change a little bit. And I'm not sure what they were, but they, apparently some changes were made and that was enough to keep Kentucky in a hole. And they just portaled them to hell. And then they did what they had to do to run out the clock. I, again, it's just the most impressive win for a game that should have been evenly matched on paper was evenly
0: matched. Honestly, so much of what changed was just tackling. Like they just decided, we're going to tackle the guy that has the football now. Before they were like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to hit him. And later they yeah. were like, I'm going to tackle him. <laughs> and it's such a ridiculous statement, but it felt so accurate in the moment where yeah. it's like, yeah, man. I guess they're going to tackle the ball carrier to the ground now. I don't know why that changed or what went wrong early on, but dude, some of the angles and this was the case against LSU as well. I, I think it's just a characteristic of the defense this year for better or for worse, and mostly for worse. They take bad angles. They don't tackle all the time. It's super inconsistent, but when they do those things well, when they take the right ankles and they are tackling to the ground, they're a really good defense. Mm-hmm. just a matter of getting those things corrected. In the
1: moment, yeah. football's about blocking and tackling. It's not a complicated sport. We overcomplicate it, but just block the guy in front of you on offense and tackle the guy in front of you on defense. That's all you got to do. So, yeah, maybe that's all it was. Just decided to grow up and play tackle football. And that's fine. But, you know, what's funny is that and I I know for sure the broadcast mentioned this, that the winner of Kentucky and Missouri finishes above the other one. And that's been true you know every year and we we talked about how kentucky just like you said shows you the mirror lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place
2: you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, a game
1: doesn't follow those rules. Missouri, South Carolina. Think of all the times that the better team has lost. 2013, Missouri lost to 2013, South Carolina, at least by SB plus Missouri was better. 2018, Missouri lost to 2018, South Carolina. Again, that Missouri team was better. Missouri beat South Carolina last year. On paper, South Carolina was a better team last year. It's just this game does not follow the rules. And so when I look at this and I see how bad South Carolina's defense is, how one-dimensional their offense is, and how complete of a team Missouri has shown to be all year, I guess that means South Carolina is going to win. What am I supposed to do with this, BK? I'm feeling uncomfortable.
0: Again, I don't respect that team i don't fear that team yeah yeah good it's not a very good football team they are very very mediocre and their fans came into the season be like ah people are underestimating south carolina this year this is going to be the year
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: listen man they've got a couple of really good players like i don't know how you pronounce his last name i apologize is it legit Leggett? leggett
1: might as well be legit
0: that guy is a stud and it's on me that I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but my God, every time I turn on a South Carolina game, it feels like he is making a big play. Like he's got some, he looks like Debo Samuel on the football field, just like mm-hmm. in that Jersey because of his size, but he he kind of plays like Emmanuel hall where yeah. it's just deep ball after deep ball after deep ball. And if they're connecting on them, dude, they can beat you with it. Like if yeah. they connect the way that they did against Mississippi state, he had five catches in that game for 190 yards and two touchdowns. Against North Carolina, nine receptions for 180 yards. Like, if they're doing that against you, it's going to be a long day, brother. But the problem, it's so inconsistent. Yeah. And Spencer Rattler, when he goes deep, holds the ball so long. It's like a four-second ho heave. And if he's waiting that long, and you're playing against a Blake Baker defense, man, you're going you're gonna to get heated up eventually. There's going to yeah. be somebody that's coming off of the edge blitzing, and he's just not going to have time to do stuff like that consistently.
1: No. I mean, you know, Spencer Rattler has been very accurate this year. 73.6% completion percentage. That's fourth in all of FBS. Like, we're talking Brady Cook levels uh, before the last two weeks happened uh, of accuracy, but how is he doing it? Well, you know, you talked about Xavier Leggett. Uh, obviously, he's a deep threat. He's getting targeted more than nine yards down the field 65% of the time. So if he's if he's getting targeted, it's it's way down there. And, and I understand that. But also, when you look at this offense, the percentage of passes with 20-plus air yards is 9.7%. That's 120th in the country. And, yes – Yes, it's Xavier Legette going deep. Yes, it's their other receiver who also has a tremendous name, Omega Blake. What a great name. Yeah, Ole Omega is also going deep. Um, He is another tall receiver. He's on the opposite side of Xavier Legette. Um, But Omega Blake's getting tired of 53% of his stuff is deep routes. But here's the thing. Spencer Rattler is leading the nation in targets to the inline or slot receiver in tight end. And Trey Knox is their tight end. He used to be at Arkansas, if he, that name sounds familiar to you. He's from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, was at Arkansas. Now he's at South Carolina. He has 33 targets, 25 catches, and 214 yards. That is second on the team. Okay, So it's him. It's uh, Marion Brown, who's their slot receiver, who's another transfer coming in. Um, and they Spencer Riley just targets them constantly. And then will occasionally just go deep to, to Xavier Legette or Omega Blake. And it's not complicated. It's not, you know, they can't really run the ball. And if they do, it stinks. So it's very one-dimensional. But it works because this is the 17th best offense in the country, believe it or not, according to Bill C's SP+. Plus. They don't do anything except pass the ball. They're 17th in the country. And not only that, but they have done enough. They should be 3-3. Three and three. They should have beaten Florida, and they didn't. So they can scare you. They do one thing really well and you don't always stop it. Um I don't know. I it, you know, shootouts are fun. Shootouts also make me crazy, but like I know you don't respect them, but uh they got the pieces to to really put a scare in Missouri this week.
0: They can. They can. Don't get me wrong. Um But I just think Missouri's better. That's funny. just flat out think Missouri's better. Um one thing to keep in mind. I talked about how, you know, Mizzou's going to heat him up whenever they blitz. Spencer Rattler's been really good against the Blitz so far this year. According to Pro Football Focus, against the Blitz, he's been, he has 100 dropbacks in such situations. And in those scenarios, he's averaging 10 yards per attempt. He's completing 74% of his passes, throwing nine touchdowns and zero interceptions. So it, most teams have not had success when blitzing Spencer Rattler so far this year. However, when he is under pressure, which does not happen a lot when blitzed so far this year, but I believe that Missouri is going to be able to do so when they blitz because they are they, they get pressure consistently when they blitz. They just don't get home very often when they blitz. Right. right. So against pressure, Nate, he's completing 49% of his pass attempts, 7.5 yards per attempt, mm-hmm. three touchdowns, three interceptions. He becomes very erratic. When he is under pressure, he has a 72 quarterback rating in those scenarios when blitzed 145. So if you're able to get pressure, you can you can get him into a spot where he's very uncomfortable. If you don't get him under pressure and you blitz, he will carve you up because he is more than happy to take those underneath routes that you were talking about. And he'll hit his hot read. he will say, I'll take seven yards and we'll go on to the next down. That's fine. You have to make sure that you are, even if you're not getting home, even if you're not sacking him, you have to make him uncomfortable whenever you decide to bring your blitz.
1: Yeah, he is the oldest quarterback in the SEC. This is the one tested old quarterback that Missouri has to go up against. And you're right. When he knows it's a blitz down, he does fine. He does fine. You know they're like 59th in the country in blitz down success rate, which is tough to do. But you talked about, you know, Missouri's got to create pressure. Well, boy. Let me tell you, uh, South Carolina lets you get pressure. In fact, they are 100, uh, yeah, 100, 100th even in pressure rate. Uh, their offensive line gives up about 33.9% pressure rate every time they drop back. They have one of the worst sack rates in the country. There's only three teams worse than they are, um, and they give most of them up on standard down. So, like, if they know you're blitzing, you're cooked. But if you just blitz randomly, like on a standard down, like a first and ten or a second and five, they are completely helpless. And the crazy thing to me is that when you see the difference between quarterbacks who throw against zone and throw against man, sometimes you see that they favor one or the other. Sometimes it doesn't really matter. Spencer Rattler definitely has a favorite. If you go, if you throw man defense at him, he is averaging, averaging 12.2 yards per throw. If you throw zone at him, like Blake Baker does when he does his blitzes, that drops to 9.6. Like that's a, that's almost a three and a half yard difference. Uh, between what you're doing in zone and man so uh go play zone and find some pressure because they'll give it to you on early downs and that's what we got to do to get him throw him off his uh, off of his rhythm and make bad choices I, I i
0: genuinely think that missouri is capable of holding them to 27 or fewer and i think that's going to be the goal in this game like mm-hmm. i think your offense is going to be fine I think your offense is going to be more than capable of putting up points against this South Carolina defense. The concern is, can you stop them? You know, because if you can't stop them, then it's going to be a long day for you. But you got to get you probably got to come away with a turnover and two to three stops. And if you can do that over the course of the game, you probably come out winning. Um, but it's a, it's about coming away with about four stops or so over the course of this game.
1: I could see that. And, you know, through the season, Spencer Routier has only thrown four interceptions. Mm. Um, I don't know. All while under there. pressure. There you go. I, I was going to say, I didn't know where they came. But if it's all under pressure, then there you go. <clears throat> um, you know, when I do these, these previews during the summer, um, sometimes I'm right. And I was looking at the one that I I wrote. I was like, well, they don't have any running backs, and they just brought in a guy from a D3 college named Newberry, right? Uh, They're starting over in the secondary. They're losing all of their pass rushers. And lo and behold, they stink at running the ball. They can't stop the pass. They can't create pressure on defense. Like, sometimes these things just write themselves. Um, I talked about LSU during that week. And I said that even the worst blue chip defense sometimes remembers their blue chip defenders and rise to the occasion and ball out. And we saw a little bit of that in the second half against LSU. That's not the case with South Carolina. Like they got good players. Obviously they're all D1 college football players, but a lot of them were transfers in. who couldn't see the field at other schools. They weren't highly rated coming out of high school and the scheme's not working. You know, I love Clayton White. I loved him at Western Kentucky. I wanted Mizzou to hire him when he was looking to get out. He has not been able to put together a defense at South Carolina that works. It doesn't feel like he's got the players that he wants, and they are a liability. So, yeah, I'm not – I'm going to eat my words. I understand this. But I am not concerned that South Carolina rises to the occasion on defense and magically flusters the hell out of Missouri's offense unless, like, a Brady Cook gets injured or something like that. Like, I just – I don't see it. It is exactly to your point. Does Spencer Rattler just have you know, his Leroy Jenkins moment and Xavier Legette is there every single time? And we, this turns into a shootout that you can't quite pull away, and then it's last man with the ball, and that ends up being South Carolina. That's really the only way I see this team losing. Um, but again, it's Missouri, South Carolina. Crazier things have happened.
0: They don't really create havoc. It's not a team that creates tackles for loss. They're last in the SEC so far this year in TFLs. Um all, the biggest thing is, like, this needs to be a Brady Cook game. Mm-hmm. They, they need to get him going again. Last week needs to be the outlier. Burden. Brady Burden. Cook, Luther Burden, Mookie Cooper, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little more Brett Norfleet in a game like yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, continue getting it going with Theo Weis. Like, this passing game has to be what wins it for you. They gave up 400 yards through the air against Florida they gave up 485 through the air against Mississippi State. Ugh, the that's awful. the efficiency numbers were pretty darn good for Georgia and for Tennessee. And yeah. that's saying something because Tennessee is not efficient through the air. Yeah. This is a defense that can be had through the mm-hmm. air. Uh, North Carolina, they have a really good quarterback, but they threw for 270 through the air and averaged more than 8 yards per attempt. Like e- everybody that has a capable passing mm-hmm. game, forget mm-hmm. good capable passing game throws for a ton of efficiency and a bunch of yards against this team. You should throw it 40 plus times in this game. Yep. That should be the game plan. The game plan should be going in saying, Hey, we get 65 plays. Let's say offensively 40 of them need to be passes because this is a pretty good run defense. They they have mostly been successful against the run so far this year against most mm. of their opponents. Man. They just, they stink through the air. Absolutely. Terrible. So this is, this is a game that you win with Luther burden. It is a game that you win with Mookie Cooper. It is a game that you win with all of those pass catchers and Brady cook.
1: Yeah. I mean, their, their real strength on the ground is not giving you big, big runs. They just, they take that away, but you can get, uh, you know, sometimes you can get a big play through the air. It's, it's just, yeah, give 40 passes. And yeah, it might end up being 290 yards. I don't care. It's going to be enough to get you there. Like, let Luther cook, let Brady cook, let Dio cook, let Mookie Cooper cook. They've allowed
0: 14 passing plays this year of 30-plus yards. Whoops. Do that. Whoops. Run the big pass play. Marky yeah. Sean, I didn't even mention him. Marcus yeah,
1: Sean, just let him, him go. Get him going. Let him
0: go. 40-plus yards six times so far this year.
1: That's a tasty stat.
0: 50-plus yards four times so far this year. Oh, my God. You can get South big, Carolina. big, big passing plays against this team
1: That's bad. yeah so you said south carolina is 27 what do you think the good guys get 37 Ooh, i don't like that
0: cool. i i think this is one of those games where you leave it and you're like yeah they took care of business Go into the bye feel good about that and uh we can talk about georgia when uh, Missouri going to, goes down to Athens against the biggest, most fraudulent top five team in the last decade or so. And uh, we'll talk about what that's going to be like. I'm all in on this, dude. I, I think the more I look into it, the more I think about what I've seen from Georgia this year, what the numbers say about Georgia so far this year. They are a very good football team. I'm not taking that away from them. The idea that they are the best team in the country right now and are rated number one is just such nonsense. They have earned that based on what they have done in previous iterations of this same program. This specific program should not be, in my opinion, in the top five.
1: Fair enough, especially without Brock Bowers. We'll cover that some other time. Uh, As far as South Carolina, I think... I think it's going to be closer. I think it's going to be uncomfortable. I me to say 35 27. Okay. Right. Good guys. Mizzou covers. Yeah. Yeah. Seven um, point spread. It's just, you know, outside a handful of games, Kentucky, huh, Vanderbilt, you know, teams just kind of linger, you know? Um, and maybe, maybe that's of the past, right? Maybe we put that behind us, but this, this South Carolina squad has a an ability to be annoying and linger. And Missouri has shown in the past to let teams linger. So I'm going to say 35-27. Good guys win. Um, and it's going to feel like we should have beaten them by more. But, again, just win. Just win. You're 6-1. and one. Just keep winning. That's I, all I ask.
0: When was the last time that Missouri was this big of a favorite against a non-Vanderbilt SEC opponent?
1: Could not tell you that one. If I had to guess.
0: Seven-point favorite going into this
1: one. Seven points. Um,
0: going through it right now. They've been favored by by a lot against Fanny, <laughs> as you would imagine. That
1: happens, yeah. Oh, Arkansas. 2019? Arkansas in the
0: 2019 season. Yeah, there you go. God, they were so bad. Kentucky in the 2019 season as well. Ole Miss in the 2019 season. Man, I remember when that season was fun.
1: I remember when that team was winning.
0: Yeah, South Carolina that season. They were favored big on everybody that year.
1: Oh, man. That team. Barry. <laughs> Barry. Unrelated or somewhat related, UNLV is going to go bowling, and that is the current employer of one, Barry Odom. Yeah. Now, part of that, I think, is that he inherited a better team than anyone thought he had, because there's no reason why they should have fired their head coach, other than the fact that Desiree Reed-Francois was no longer there. Yeah. Oh, but good for Barry Odom.
0: Apparently, Barry, like, I've got a buddy that lives in Vegas and works out there. Apparently, Barry's like embracing the area pretty well, too. Like, he's doing a good job of good. kind of building up the program.
1: He also made a great offensive coordinator hire. Imagine what that yeah. does for you.
0: And he hired his buddy, a defense coordinator,
1: Mike Shear. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Mike. Yeah. I'm glad it's working out for him. I really am. I'm also glad he's he's over there. We're doing, we're doing great over here. Um, final thoughts before we get the heck out of here. It's a
0: fraudulent program.
1: Oh my God. I don't yes. deserve
0: your respect. Oh. And on Saturday, Missouri will once again prove that the superior Columbia resides in the state of Missouri. And it will be nice to see them take care of business once again against the Gamecocks of South Carolina, who five years ago I respected. But ever since then, I've had no reason to.
1: Chesty BK. Man. I'm digging it. That is going to be our show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt Natey Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rock M flagship at Rock M Nation and the podcasting outlet at Rock M Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z.
3: Z-O-U. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more, just like it beamed directly into your personal device. Just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone, or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify to search for rock M radio. Uh, and if you like other sports fans First sports network, uh, is a podcast network that has, uh, coverage of all other teams, major league baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want, uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe, uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks.